Good morning. Beautiful, beautiful day. Great to see you this morning. Again, I just want to echo, be sure to keep in mind this coming weekend, there's going to be five Christmas services, so just kind of it's on the front of your bulletin, so pick out one that best suits your family. They're all going to be about 45 minutes, just a time to come, to reflect, and to love on the Lord. Now, I, I don't normally say this, but if you're at this service and you haven't seen the adult cantata, I encourage you to stay for the 1050. It is really amazing. We were here last night, and again, it's good online, but it's really, really more powerful in person. So if you have time to stick around, you would enjoy being here at 1050. So it's good to see you this morning as we're getting into that Christmas season. I love this uh, quote that says, uh, God with us, Emmanuel, which we sang about, when our sins made it impossible for us to come to him, God took the outrageous step of coming to us. We really, it, is, it really is mind-boggling to think that God took on an earth suit and came down to live among us, to die on the cross so that you and I could have an eternity with him in heaven. Uh, my clicker may not be working, so I may be dependent upon my wife. So I'll, I'll let you know. So anyway, uh, you know, sometimes the simple celebration of Christmas can become kind of crazy. And we kind of sometimes, you know, get all these to-do lists and all the things we have to do in our life. And sometimes we just don't get around to keeping it simple. So I think God wants us to keep it simple. This is one of my favorite all-time Christmas pictures coming up. Joy. How many of you have some of those days? You know you're supposed to have joy, but it's just not there. But anyway, I just love this picture. Kids are just so transparent. They're so real. You never know what kids are going to say. All right? And so this morning, we're going to just kind of walk through a Christmas quiz. We do it every couple years or so. I've added some new things in this one. But, you know, sometimes when we think about the Christmas story, if you've seen a lot of pageants, if you've seen a lot of pictures, and if you've sung a lot of Christmas songs, sometimes we get in our mind what happened that may not be biblical at all. But again, not that it's wrong, but again, sometimes our concept of the nativity and the reality of nativity Maybe two, two different things, all right? So, first of all, both Mary and Joseph, these are true and false. I made it really easy. How many of you like true and false when you went to school? I had a 50-50 chance. 50-50 chance. Both Mary and Joseph were excited when hearing the news of her becoming the mother of Jesus. All right? And, and you, you can say if you want, all right? A lot of you were very bold. You said false. And it is false. Joseph, being a just man... Not desiring to shame her, wanted to put her away secretly. So Joseph did not buy into the story. By the way, it doesn't say about her parents. I have a hunch her parents didn't buy in on it. You know, but again, the angel came, and until the angel came, Joseph was trying, he's trying to treat her kind, but he was trying to put her away because he could not believe the story until God showed up. And again, it really is an amazing story, the story of the birth of Christ. Second one, the reason uh, Joseph and Mary traveled to Bethlehem was to fulfill the scripture in Micah 5.2, stating Bethlehem as the place of the birth of Christ. You got, it's, it's waning, it's going downhill. <laughs> 
Now, actually, in one way, it's true, but that's not why they went, but it did fulfill the Scripture, so technically that could be either one. The answer would be false. They went because of a decree from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered for tax purposes. How many of you think it's crazy that God used the IRS to get them to Bethlehem? (laughs) I never would have thought. I'm just saying, when the IRS gets your blood pressure up, just remember... It was because of the IRS that got him to Bethlehem. Isn't it crazy how God can use government? That really is crazy. But they were just going to register. I mean, and again, I'm speaking on, uh, out of the vast storehouse of my ignorance. But can you mothers imagine right at the time to give birth to take that journey? Really is crazy. But again, they were trying to go by and abide by the government and by, by the IRS of their day. Number three. The trip to Nazareth to Bethlehem was about 8 to 10 miles. All right. And that answer is, it was about 97.6 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. That is amazing. That really is amazing. How many of you remember the last time you took a 97-mile trip without an automobile? Now you say... Well, we'll get into that. You know, of course, we have Mary pictured on a donkey. I can't imagine that being comfy. All right? But 97 miles they traveled. How many of you would think that you would be murmuring something against the IRS if that were you? I can't believe they... Why can't we just send it in? Why can't we text it in? Well, they didn't have text. All right, number four. The Bible says in Luke 2.53 that Mary rode a donkey and Joseph walked. All right, you guys are good. You have a good memory from several years ago or you just know the Bible, all right? And so the answer would be false. The Bible doesn't say how they traveled there, although 99% of the pictures I've seen, Mary's riding on a donkey, Joseph is walking. But again, the Bible does not say. Bible does not say how they got there. By the way, if you really know your Bible, you'll know there's no Luke 2.53. There's only 52 verses, all right? So anyway, so you always got to check all that out, all right? Don't take whatever I say for face value. Always check it out by your Bible. But again, the Bible doesn't say how they got there. But how many of you in your mind picture her riding a donkey? If you've seen enough pictures, that's in your mind. And I, I like to believe she rode a donkey. I sure hope she didn't walk and he rode the donkey. <laughs> then we would have some problems, all right? All right. Number five, fortunately, the trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem is fairly flat. Now, how many of you, every, every picture I've seen of Mary and Joseph going to Jerusalem, it's always flat, always flat. The truth is, the trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem is a climb of 1,405 feet. How many of you ever heard your grandparents say they went up to school both ways uphill in the snow? I had to, you know, I'm not in that generation, but I had to walk an entire block to catch the bus. It was flat both ways, but that's not how I tell the story. And so, this is what it should look like. I want to see a picture of them going to Bethlehem uphill. So if you have a picture of Mary and Joseph traveling on flat, would you just tilt it on your wall? Just tilt it. And people will ask you, why, why is your picture tilted? Because that's more reality. 
So when you go over, by the way, whenever they say Jerusalem, the Bible says going up to Jerusalem. It is up from almost everywhere. When you're over in Israel and you're going to Israel several miles, you're going up. And by the way, Bethlehem is a little higher than Jerusalem. So they really, I mean, the IRS, I would have been ticked at the IRS. I would have really been upset that I had to make that trip. But this is probably a more accurate picture, right? And so today in Israel, there's a wall between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And so this is actually, if you go into Bethlehem, you have to go through a checkpoint here, and it's controlled by the Palestinians. So they, if you have a Jewish guide, which we do when we're over in Israel, they make the Jewish guide get off, and as soon as you cross over into that, that checkpoint, they put a Palestinian tour guide on. And then when you come back, the Palestinian guide gets off and the Jewish guide gets back on once you cross over. So if they were going to Bethlehem today, they'd have to go through the checkpoint. I mean, it really is a new world over there, a crazy world over in Israel. All right, the next one. The Bible quotes in Luke's gospel, the innkeeper saying to Mary and Joseph, there is no room for you in the inn. How many of you aren't sure? How many of you have seen a lot of Christian, uh, uh, Christmas pageants? There's always an innkeeper. All right, but the answer is the Bible doesn't even mention an innkeeper, period. Now, it does say there was no room in the inn, but it doesn't mention an innkeeper. But in our mind, we've seen enough Christ, uh, Christmas pageants, there's always an innkeeper. By the way, my favorite uh, all-time story, one of my favorite all-time stories is the Christmas pageant. It's supposed to be a true story. I've heard it different ways. But, you know, they had this play, and one of the boys that was a little bit slow, and they, 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 this year they decided to give him a part in the play, and they were going to let him be the innkeeper. And he only had one line. Only one line in the entire play. They went over and over and over. I'm sorry there's no room in the end. And that was his one line. And so they went through it, they went through it. And when it came time for the production, the whole community was there. And Mary and Joseph came to the inn, which we see in the Christmas pageants. And they came to the inn, and this guy comes out, his one line. They're all excited for his one line. And he comes to the door, and here comes Mary and Joseph. And they're looking sad, and they're, they're, they're looking for a place. His wife is great with child. And, and all of a sudden, he forgot his line, and his heart took over and he had a little tear in his eye. And he, and he froze. And the lady running the play said, there's no room for you in the inn. And it took him a minute and he said, I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, there's, there's, there's no room for you in the inn. And they turned to walk away. And when they got halfway across the stage, he hollered out, wait, wait. And this, isn't in the, this isn't in the script. He hollers out, wait. Wait, you can have my room. That was good, man. Wasn't biblical, but it was good, man. It was really good. I wonder today, this year what would happen if we all gave Jesus a room in our heart. I believe that little guy, it's supposed to be a true story. If that is a true story, I might tell you that guy has the heart of Christmas right there. Great story. All right. The manger setting most likely resembled, all right, and you can hit the button, 
a cave. If you were here last week, or if you've been here very much in the last recent years, but almost all of ours are more of a, of a barn type thing, but most likely it was a cave. All right, that would have been the setting. Number eight, the manger itself most likely resembled, it would have been a feeding trough over here. You can hit the button there, it gives you the answer. And so again, but these don't look very cool in your manger scene. All right, this looks a lot nicer up here than having a concrete feeding trough, all right? But most likely, it was a feeding trough they laid him in. Can I tell you, it could not have been more humble, his beginning. Could not have been more humble, all right? Number nine, there was a host of angels who spoke to the shepherds. You guys are, I hear crickets. How many of you are afraid to answer? The answer is false. The Bible says one angel, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. So it was one angel that spoke to the shepherds. But again, if you've been to a Christmas pageant, sometimes there's a, a bunch of angels singing and sharing. And, and so again, a lot of our concept comes around watching Christmas pageants, uh, pictures that we have, and certain songs give us kind of an image. All right, the next one. After the angel spoke, a multitude of heavenly hosts sang praises to God. Who said false? I heard that voice. God bless you. You are the only one who spoke out. By the way, I shouldn't even tell you this, but most of these are false. She's, I think she's catching on. I think she's getting it. All right, the truth is, the Bible says they praise God saying. Doesn't ever say that they sing. But the reason we have in our mind they sang is because the Christmas pageants, all the, the host of heaven sing. But the Bible says they just, they praise God saying. So they did, they did praise the Lord, but it was through the spoken word. All right, the next one. How did the shepherds find the manger where Jesus was? Unfortunately, this is not true and false. Sorry about that. This is multiple guess. So you guys have read the Christmas story hundreds of times. How did they find the manger? Somebody said, hey, I hear a lot of the kids say, hey, a lot of you adults aren't going to say. Some of you say, who said GPS? <laughs> I love you, man. It's not right, but you get points for just saying it, all right? The answer is, the Bible doesn't say. Now, the wise men followed the star, but we're not told how the shepherds knew where to find him. But they, they made it. Apparently, God gave them directions. They found it, but the Bible doesn't say. There's a lot of things the Bible doesn't say, but again, we get in our minds certain things. All right, number 12. The shepherds shared with Mary and Joseph what the angels said to them. It's really getting quiet. <laughs> this isn't a true and false. I'm sorry. This would, I'm making it a little tough on you. All right. This, well, this actually is true. Actually, the Bible doesn't mention conversation between Mary and Joseph and the shepherds or the wise men. There's nothing mentioned in the Bible of anything that Mary and Joseph said to him. Now, I think they talked to him, but the Bible doesn't record anything. So we really don't know what they said to the shepherds or what they said to the wise men because nothing is recorded. All right, the next one. Was there snow in Israel when Jesus was born? I, I, this is so cool. All the kids are hollering out. The adults are saying nothing. 
We need to have the kids in here more often. (laughs) I'm getting some help up here. The answer is actually yes. Now, do I think there was snow in Bethlehem? No. But in Israel, if you know Israel, there's a mountain in Israel, Mount Hermon, that has snow 365 days a year. You're going, oh, that was wrong. (laughs) So in Israel, I did say in Israel, in Bethlehem, I would say probably not. But in Israel, 365 days a year, Mount Hermon has snow. That's one you can trick people with, all right? Write that down. That's a good one. You guys can use that one. All right. The three wise men from the east also came to the manger to worship Jesus. Now, a lot of nativities have the wise men at the nativity, all right? And again, I'm okay with that. If they sent me wise men, I would put them at the nativity, but they really weren't at the nativity, all right? So that was false, as all the children said. They came one to two years later, and they worshiped Jesus in a house, all right? So they came when they were already at a house, and that's where they brought the gifts, all right? And by the way, the body wise men, there were, and you all know that. We, why do we always have three? Because they brought three gifts. Now, I think there were probably 70, but you, you can't get that many on your mantle, all right? So three works out really well, all right? But again, we don't know. There could have been three. There could have been two that brought three gifts. We don't really know. But they did follow the star, and the star led them to the house where Jesus was. So again, he was probably one to two years old when the wise men showed up to worship him. All right? So who was at the nativity scene, according to the Bible? And this is one I had last week, so hopefully you remember. If you hit the space bar there, there was no drummer boy. There was no donkey mentioned. The wise men would come later. There's no animals mentioned at all in the Bible. And again, we've already said there was no innkeeper mentioned. So all we know is that Mary and Joseph were there with Jesus, probably in a cave. Was there animals there? Perhaps. I don't know. But let me show you. This morning, coming to church, I decided to take... I many of you remember last week, we got a nativity set this year at our house. And this is our nativity set. I took this this morning. Coming to, before I got to church, I was pulling, I stopped, got a picture. And how many of you noticed I got a couple lambs out there? Because they came with the set. They came with the set. Now, if they would have sent wise men, I would have stuck them out there. It's okay. I'm not saying, I'm not against any of that stuff, all right? I'm just saying it's sometimes it's good to separate fact from fiction. But it's okay, whatever nativity set you have. And by the way, this kind of lights up at night. And so when you drive by, it just kind of glows. And it's just really a soft reminder to everybody in our community what Christmas is all about. You know what I want to get next year? And I haven't even talked, run this by Brenda. But I'd like to get a cross and put behind it. You know, one of my favorite scenes of Christmas is right up here. Where the manger is in the shadow of the cross. Because it's possible. It's possible to sing all the Christmas songs. And I used to, we used to walk through the malls at Christmas time. They'd have all the the Christmas songs. And they often used to sing Away in a Manger, Old Little Town of Bethlehem. And it's possible to sing all of those songs about his birth 
and forget why he came. But why he came to earth is because of you and me. He loved you so much. He was willing. One day when we see God in his glory, there is no doubt we are going to be blown away that the Shekinah glory of God, that he would be willing to step out of that, put on an earth suit, and go through everything he went through on this earth and be crucified for our sin so that you and I could spend an eternity with him. It's crazy. You know, it would be kind of cool if we had some cardboard cutouts of Brenda and I and just put back there too. That's a little weird. That's a little weird. All right, next scene. Here's what we do know. Jesus fulfilled all 300 Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. All right, next one. The chance of one man doing or could fulfill just eight of the 300 prophecies, but it would be one in, seven, in 17 zeros. I don't even know what that number is. Anybody know what that number is? It's one cadillion, cursillion, whatever. If you just fulfilled eight, eight of the 300, it would be the chances would be that. But he fulfilled all 300 prophecies. All 300. And we know the Old Testament was translated from Hebrew to Greek in 325 B.C. And so we know that the Bible was already there. Some people say, well, after he lived, they went back and wrote the Old Testament. We know that's not true because 300 years before he came, they already translated the Old Testament into Greek. 300 prophecies, and he fulfilled every one. And one of them was just getting to Bethlehem, and he used the IRS. Crazy! Every detail of life, he used the Roman government, everything in life, all guided Jesus exactly where he needed to be. Somebody says, man, that was a coincidence. That was God. Can I just tell you, God is weaving everything in your life for, for his glory and for your good. It is amazing, really, when you see what God is doing. So the chances of that... Just to kind of give you a picture, if you were to cover these four states two feet high with silver dollars, that'd be a lot of silver dollars, two feet high, and you were to mark, if we get one more hit there, if you were to mark one of those silver dollars and put an X on it and mix it somewhere in those four states, two feet high, silver dollars, and you were to blindfold somebody and let them have one pick, the chances of Jesus fulfilling even eight of these prophecies would be like a guy finding that silver dollar on one pick. I mean, literally, astronomically impossible. But he fulfilled all 300 prophecies. Now let me ask you, if Jesus, who fulfilled every single prophecy about the Messiah in his first coming, he said before he's leaving, I'm coming again what do you think his chances are that he's coming back? A hundred percent. How crazy it would be for us not to be ready for the second coming of Jesus. Be absolutely crazy. All right. My last thought here, did God ever give a gift that could compare to the gift of his son Jesus? 
Now, initially, we would say, absolutely not. But he did give one other gift that was 100% equal to the gift of his son, Jesus. And that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. As much as we celebrate God with us, and I think we should, I really think we should. Again, I'm kind of surprised that we don't celebrate Pentecost in a big way in the church. Because God with us is crazy. But God in us is unbelievable. So the last slide here, Jesus said before he left, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Now I didn't say, Jesus said to the disciples that I'm going to pray to the Father and he's going to give you another. That word another is really a big word in this verse. There's two words in the Greek for another. One means another of a different sort, and the other means another of the same sort. And I like to use the example, if you're driving a Volkswagen Bug, how many of you remember Volkswagen Bugs? Those were like goat carts to guys. I mean, those were cool. All right, if you had a Volkswagen Bug and went out and bought a Cadillac, how many of you think that would be another, but another of a different kind? And if you're not sure, take somebody with you when you buy a car, okay? But if you had a Volkswagen bug, went out and bought another Volkswagen bug, that'd be another of the same sort. And it's interesting, Jesus used the word alas, which means another of the same sort. He said when the Holy Spirit comes, he's just going to be exactly like the first comforter, and that was him. I mean, we ought to celebrate God with us. I'm glad we celebrate Christmas. But I just want again for you to know that sometimes there's a difference in what we have in our mind and what the Bible teaches. But again, regardless of your nativity set, I'd have them all out in front of of our nativity set. But I'm just saying we need to always separate fact from fiction. But we always need to celebrate that he loved us so much that he was willing to come take on an earth suit, to die on the cross again so that you and I could have heaven. I love the verse in Hebrews that says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You ever wonder what the joy was that was set before him? Somebody says, man, he got to go back to glory. He had that before he came here. He could have enjoyed the Shekinah glory, the worship of the angels. He had all of that before he came here. The only thing he really gained by coming here and dying on the cross was you and me. For the joy set before him that one day he went through everything he went through so that you and I could spend an eternity with him. He really does love you. If you have a cardboard cut out of yourself, you ought to stick it with your nativity set. Because he had you on his mind. We have a lot to be thankful for at Christmas. We really do. And this morning, I just want to have a word of prayer. I want to just go through a simple sinner's prayer. And again, I I just like for everybody to repeat it. And maybe there's one person here today, maybe you're a member of a church, but you're not sure that your name is on the Lamb's Book of Life. You know, when it's all said and done, the Bible says in Revelation, everyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be forever separated from God. It's not about being a good person. It's about understanding that you could never in a million years ever live up 
to God's standard. But Jesus came and he died for our sin. The Bible says he took our sin in his body on that tree. And the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's why the Bible says you got to receive it as a child. Now, children can receive so much better than adults. How many of you know that? You offer a child a $10 bill, got any more? You offer an adult $10, oh, I just, I I couldn't take it, I I didn't deserve, I don't. It's hard sometimes for an adult to receive. But you can never in a million years earn heaven. That's why in Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says it's a gift of God. With childlike faith, receiving what Jesus has done for you and asking him to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. Greatest, greatest decision ever. So let's pray together. I'm going to just uh, say a simple prayer. I'm just going to ask everybody to repeat it. If you're already a believer, it's not going to hurt you. But maybe there's somebody here today that you're honestly not sure that if you were to step into eternity today, that you would be welcome into God's presence. This week I did two funerals, one wedding. Every time I get up at a funeral or wedding, my number one thing is I want them to see the love of God. I want them to know that God loves them. I don't want anybody to ever stand before God and never hear that Jesus died for them. So let's pray together. I just want everybody just to repeat out loud, Dear Jesus, Thank you for loving me and coming to this earth, taking on an earth suit, and dying on the cross for my sin. I ask you to forgive me, and I open up the door of my heart, and I invite you into my life as Lord and Savior. From this day forward, my life belongs to you. Thank you for saving me. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I hope you'll share it with three people before you leave today. You know, this Christmas, and although it's always a celebration, I know for some families, my sister who lost her daughter, her granddaughter, her son-in-law within 10 days, I know it's going to be a tough Christmas. So I know some people, if you've lost a loved one, it's going to be a difficult Christmas. So if you know of someone that just has lost somebody, I just hope that you'll reach out to them. Just send a note, let them know you're thinking of them, praying for them. And I know in the middle of all that loss, God is faithful. I know God is faithful. So let's just stand together, just have just a moment of invitation. I think I say at every funeral at the very end, I try to say, God loves you so much. And if your loved one could come back, they would not want you to live one more day doubting the love of God. So let's take a moment and uh, Don can just play through something softly. If you need to slip out and come, if you need to be prayed for today. Anybody here with your head up, eyes open, anybody here just right where you are just would use some extra prayer. I just want you to look around. Anybody here that would say, I just need some extra prayer for for Christmas.
Anybody? All right, one back there. Anybody else? One back here. All right, see some hands all over. All right. Can I, can I, I just want you to look around. I want you to see the hands up. I want us to pray for our brothers and sisters who are here this morning. I hope you have an amazing Christmas. And if you're going to throw your nativity set away, give it to me. Don't throw your nativity set away. Man, how the world needs to be a, have a gentle reminder of what Christmas is all about. I love you guys. If, you can, if you're able to stay, I hope you can stay for another service. But if not, please be safe as you travel. And hopefully God gives us all an opportunity through the Christmas season to somehow just share his love with those around us. I hope it's a great Christmas for you, even if it's a time of severe loss. Let's pray together, then we're going to close out with a song. Father, I thank you for my, my church family. God, I just pray for those who have broken hearts. I know David said that you draw close to those with a broken heart. And God, even though I don't understand, Lord, I know that you're so faithful. I selfishly pray for my sister and her family that you would just love on them and give them grace to get through this season. Fill us all with your spirit. I pray that everywhere we go, that river of living water would spill out as excited as we are to celebrate God with us. The desire to have you in us is even more amazing. Fill us, empower us, help us to make a difference everywhere we go in Jesus' name.